0: I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of to Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. Today, I'm joined by Di Jones, someone with significant business change and transformation experience gained across multiple sectors. His no-nonsense approach and style makes for a great conversation. I hope you agree. Let me introduce you to Di now. Hi Guy, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us today. A pleasure. Uh, when we spoke yesterday, we, we were talking about how fortunate we were uh, that we live outside major cities uh, during this sort of COVID-19 uh, lock, lockdown. But uh, how have you been coping?
1: Uh, yeah, I, as you say, being out in the countryside, it makes things so much easier. I mean, uh, last night um uh the four of us so um we've got um, two sort of teenage boys my wife went outside and, and we did a, a whole load of um sort of repetitions exercises press ups and all the rest of it but to be able to do that you know as a as a family in this sort of environment is so different to what some of the, the people are experiencing up in you know one or two bedroom flats in in london and yeah. um, so uh you know we've got um, able and cole delivering uh, vegetables and all the rest of it um milk being delivered so uh, actually it's fairly easy. Um, uh, younger son is, is sort of back. Um, I started back at school yesterday. Oh wow! But not at school. He's doing it remotely over Teams, etc. Yeah. So he's working away. Um, so actually, you know, there are three, four of us you know, all doing work in, in our different corners of the uh, um, of the building. And so luckily, complete... we've got good band. So it's absolutely. Yeah, I was going to
0: say completely relying to Pumbalband there.
1: Uh, yes, absolutely, completely <laughs> relies on broadband. <laughs> but it's difficult for them, isn't it? Because it's in a completely different environment. They haven't got their friends around there so control them and and um, keep them uh, going, keep them up. They've just got you know bloody parents um, uh, getting in the way. Uh,
0: that's right. Although I think uh, you know from conversations I've been having with with colleagues as well as 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 well as clients, that 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 challenge is is evident everywhere you know as people sort of start to become more accustomed to working from home but yeah. but uh, and, and 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 being focused but uh, what, what I've found is that a lot of them now are starting to systematically put in these little coffee breaks yeah. um and, and 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 naturally sort of try to create recreate the uh, uh the coffee drinks machine sort of chats yeah, yeah. At that time,
1: that's that um,
0: times which is uh, which is important it is, absolutely, it is important. Okay, so uh, you describe yourself as a commercially savvy transformation director. Uh, as you sort of provide a little bit of background on on, on yourself
1: uh, and what you've been up to, uh,
0: can you just explain a little bit more about what you mean?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so you know, I, I've uh, got a background um, uh, across a range of, I've probably had three different careers as well as working in a, across um, almost every... Uh, function um, that exists so um, when I go into a, uh, a new uh, company transformation area I bring with me my experience of working in uh, sales in marketing in product management in operations in uh, development um, uh, in finance in HR I- I've got that uh, background and therefore I can come in and be um, uh, provide empathy um, an understanding of the situation uh, of the, the teams I'm um, working with. And I think that gives me uh, an ability to look at things from that specific customer's point of view. Um, uh, and you know, uh, the, the main thing uh, when it comes to transformation is the, the commercials, understanding what are the benefits, what are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, we'll come back to that actually in a little while, but I think you're right, isn't it? It's about your ability to put yourself in their shoes and, and, and taught their language. And, and by having that background and experience, I'm assuming that's giving you a, a lot of uh, initial credibility with them um, that you can then build upon. I
1: Agre- agree. A platform. Uh, absolutely. I agree. And I think it's on top of that, it's um, uh, having a background of working in a number of different industries as well. Um, so I've worked across the, the technology, uh, media, telecoms area, which was you know, where my probably my second um, career was, but then more recently into financial services, public sector, business services, and, and most latterly into the retail sector. So I've got a, a range of different sector backgrounds as well. And from a, a role point of view, um, uh, that to me makes less difference, What your role I'm in, you know, I've worked as a business unit uh, MD, I've worked as a program director, I've worked as a transformation lead, I've worked as an agile product owner. Yes. Um, uh, it, it's all about design, getting into the business, designing um, the change that they need for their situation, and then rolling sleeves up and delivering it.
0: It's quite interesting that you're saying that you've worked across sectors and, and so sort of high, uh, and, and I um, deliberately made that decision to, to operate across different sectors, uh, because fundamentally, what we do at driving projects and programs and transformations is the same, yep. the same process that we go through. So, my variation I've always found comes from working in a different sector and learning that language in the approach, etc. Et but what I found also is that a lot of sectors and organizations prefer people to have been in that organization or that, that sector years and years and years. What's, what's your feeling about that, and what, what, what do you think you add? By uh, coming from a different sector into a new sector,
1: um, so I agree. I think that the, the one area, particular sector that seems to be um, to value most and, and almost have as a requirement to have worked in that sector for a long period is financial services. Um, and there is some rationale, I think, for that, and um, particularly from a regulatory um, yeah. and compliance point of view. You know, that there are particular differences about um, that sector. Um, but uh, I would uh, be concerned if they were recruiting me for my um, uh, financial services compliance expertise. They're putting me in the wrong role at that point. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of financial services companies seem to say, um, if, if you haven't worked in financial services, the next best, best sector is telecoms, because it's been very fast-paced um, over the last um, sort of 20-plus years. It's probably kind of more of a utility now, um, although we've still got, obviously, yeah. 5G, M2M, and um, a, a large number of changes coming through. So they see it seems to be about the pace of change that they have concerns over, as well as the, the pure regulatory side of things. But for me, the value that I can bring into a new situation is not the same as everyone else in the company. They've got people in the company who are from uh, uh, the public sector, um, the, that are, are from... Um, uh, business services or whatever it is yeah. it is coming in with a, a different angle and different experience from different sectors and different companies to me is where the value i can bring as well as having done um that the type of transformation change that they're looking for um, um in mon- multiple times before
0: no i agree and it's that challenge i think that uh, you can bring to the preconceived ideas right? because if they've been in the organization for a long time or in the sector for a long time, having that external view, you can, I find that you can go real, get to the real core issue very, very quickly because you've got the excuse of being able to ask what I call all the numpty questions, just the base level questions that sort of uh, cut through back right to that core very, very quickly.
1: No, I, I completely agree. So um, my most recent, um, until just after the shutdown started, I was working in uh, Costa Coffee, um, who were acquired by uh, Coke, the um, uh, Coca-Cola Corporation. Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, they... they um they were uh, Whitbread, weren't they? They were Whitbread, absolutely. So it was about November timeframe um, that the, um, uh, the, the sale took place. And, and as a result of that, they wanted to change their um, all their finance systems it's obviously a fairly big undertaking, um, and kicked off a program for that, and it wasn't going well. Um, but to your point, the, I think the value that I was able to bring was a a fresh pair of eyes coming in who could stand back from the day to day pressures to help to see the, the team to see the wood from the trees, yeah. and to have clarity on the decision making, and to um, uh, focus on those really critical decisions that would help them to recover uh, the program. Day to day, it's so easy to focus on um, the urgent rather than the important yeah. and not to stand back and think, okay, what are the three things we need to solve in this program? Absolutely.
0: And uh, you've, you've worked across, uh, as I said, multiple sectors, but equally, you've worked across different types of programs from sort of post merger integration, shared services, transformation within shared services. You've done the program reviews and turnarounds and, and, and general program delivery. What, what have you? Which of those have you enjoyed the
1: most and why? Um, I think the one that I, I enjoy the most is probably post-merger integration. <laughs> um, I'll probably come back to it to later on. Um, uh, but I think, you know, uh, Cotter's eight steps of change yeah. are um, uh, vital. And um, uh, as I'm sure you know, that one of the, the, um, uh, the, the key ones is having a compelling uh, vision. Yeah. Um, and when you're in a, a merger situation, it's fundamental to um, the corporation you're talking about, um, either through merger or acquisition. They've just paid a whole lot of money for um, this business unit, this this other company, and they want it to work. They want yeah. to integrate it into their business, and therefore it's front and center to their strategy. So you've got the buy-in there to start with. Um, but then I think on top of that, there are a, a whole load of complexities uh, about bringing two organizations together, whether it be the, the product side or the operations side or the IT or the culture. Um, uh, there are just so many different aspects to it um, uh, that it, it, for me, I, I, I enjoy that um, complexity and getting to grips with yeah. finding the right way forward that works for both parties um uh through a merger for, for me um uh, i'm sure you're aware there's been a lot of lots of studies Booz Allen did one around mergers um uh, saying that only a, a sixth of uh, mergers actually increase shareholder value yeah um, uh, and um, over fifty percent of them underperform industry peers as a result of or, yeah. or after a merger or a, a, an acquisition so for me there's a real need to get in and kick off a uh, post-merger integration very quickly because that's when you know, the, the value starts to seep away. If you leave it for even a few days, yeah. then your style um, performers within the company will start thinking, well, actually, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen here. I'm going to disappear. I'm going to start to speak to my network, see what's going on. Customers will do the same. Yeah. Will the product that I want still be there in the future? I'll start speaking to some other vendors. And, and they then start drifting. And the value starts disappearing. So you've got to get in there and implement or initiate the implementation really very quickly.
0: I agree, and and I think the that also um, brings in the the sort of. They, the, I think it was McKinsey's that did the study a, few, a good few years ago, now around sort of seventy percent of all change programs fail to deal with the, the core benefit case, and that's it, it. Ties into that absolutely because fundamentally, when you merge or acquire or go through an acquisition, it's a change program. It's 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 as you said, touching every part of those both businesses. Yep. And if you don't have the fundamental aspects in place and the and the structured approach in place, they will fail. That that integration
1: and that yeah. that, that program will fail. Absolutely, and and that's the I think one of the um the pieces that <coughs> excuse me, the industry um particularly on M and A um doesn't always grasp is that because there is a need to move quickly, you've actually got to start the planning early. Yeah. In, in parallel really with doing the due diligence. So by the time you get to announcing the deal, you've thought through all of, done all the planning necessary to think through what's going to happen um, in terms of you know, where is, what's the intent, what's the deal value, what's the structure of what the new company is going to look like, what are the priorities in post merger integration, and what are your objectives, what's your approach, what's your plan, what are you going to do about the target operating model, what products are you going to keep, what are the risks associated with it. Um, what budgets are you going to have to, to help deliver it? Who are the leaders going to be in the different parts? If you hadn't a chance to think all that through yeah. in advance, then you're not going to get that quick start. You, you just, end, end, up having that,
0: you just have, end up having discussions, don't you? And, uh, and, yeah. and everyone's, everyone's nice to each other because they're new, partner, new people, want to build relationships. Up. But by being nice doesn't necessarily generate decisions
1: agree So you want to be able to, to at the start, tap the right people on the shoulders and say, right, <clears throat> in the future we want you to run this part of the business
0: yeah.
1: and therefore they've got a vested interest in driving it forward. There's clar everyone knows where they stand. You're getting hold of the key parts where you can see the value, which was in your, in the, um, the business case you put together to start with, and you're then delivering um, and driving that value through um, to maintain it and, and to get as much out of it as possible. There's, there's, you know, you have got to, to remember that, a, as you so mentioned, there's a lot of complexity in here, and know, yeah, the value comes from three things. There's the the core businesses, the two core businesses that you're talking about, and you've got to make sure that they are able to maintain the focus on continuing to get the profits that have been there in the past and um, there's a real danger they take the eye off the ball they get focused on the on the merger you know, all huddle around the water cooler and start having discussions about what's going to happen with your job what's going to happen with my job and they take the eye off the off the day-to-day ball the second thing is that their combinational value um, from bringing the two together whether it be through um, customer base or product set etc um, and the third is then selected transformational areas um, uh, where you you know there's real value and bringing the two organisations together, and, and you've got to keep an eye on all three of those. Yeah. Otherwise, again, the value isn't going to be what you had in the business case.
0: Absolutely, I think you've got to really sort of cut to the chase as well. I, I remember got involved in one a few years back now uh, to support services organisations, and uh, I, I yeah I can vividly remember being in one of the initial meetings where the two procurement um, teams and leaders were um, were 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 in a room. And unfortunately the decision hadn't been taken on which of these two guys were going to be the CPO. Yeah. Yeah. In the event neither of them got them we brought a new one in. Um, <laughs> but I was just I was I was sat observing these two these two people going at each other and and, and just every now and again just saying, we've just got to cut to the chase. You know, we need to get data. We need to understand where where there's uh, overlaps and where there's divergence really, really quickly. Because at that stage, we're coming back to what you were saying, we can start to engage with our supply chain partners. And they were partners uh, because they're they're going to start feeling uh, um, uh, unsure about the future. They're going to start looking at, well, if if I'm suddenly going to lose 10% of my business, I need to go and find another client to fill that gap yeah and uh, but the 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 um, uh, there's a significant cultural differences absolutely but fundamentally these are two 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 beasts that were going after each other
1: which and, and if you haven't provided that clarity it's totally understandable or human that they will do that yeah. not the right thing for the business but so how do you t- provide that clarity take that issue off the table so that they can all focus on helping the business to um deliver the, the point you make though about the culture i think it is And the other piece of post-merger integration that it is bringing two organizations together is really when you see the difference in culture between um, uh, different um, uh, businesses. Yes. And it can be very tricky to uh, um, move to a new culture. Um, When I was at uh, Capital Wallace. They were trying to completely change the culture there, and they put a huge amount of effort into it, um, changed champions, sponsorship from the board, quite a lot of budget. And after about three years, they turned around and said, actually, we don't think we've succeeded. Mm -hmm. And and for me, the the reason for that was that they were trying to wholesale change the culture of both what had been Energist and what what had been KVWR, they brought the two together. Um, and I think that's just too ambitious. You've got to pick off what the key pieces are, um, and then to put the right support in place to enable up cultural change. Now, I don't know if you've um, seen, there was a study done by the John Hopkins, um, uh, uh hospital, mm-hmm. um, of well, John Hopkins, um, university where people who'd had, um, heart bypass surgery um, they were asked them to make major modifications to their diets and their lifestyles afterwards. You would have thought in that situation, you would have a fairly big rationale um, yeah. to follow it through. But only um, 10% of them actually followed through on those changes. Wow! Um, so even in, in the face of overwhelming evidence,
0: yeah.
1: we are, as, a, as humans, not good at changing our behaviours. What they then did was they put in some structured transformation uh, uh, program to help them, uh, the individuals who've been through the operations, to uh, support them in making those changes. And it then went from 90% that weren't doing it to 28% that weren't doing it. Right. So it's, you can do it. Change is hard. You need to choose your battles. But if you put the right support mechanism in place, you can actually get there.
0: Yeah, it's taking the people on the journey, isn't
1: it, with you? Absolutely. Being very open um with them. And for me, um it's one of the things I try and do going into um uh, a different um business is um uh, be as open as possible with the um the individuals. Um but part of it is um first of all adapting, you know, taking my toolkit with me, but not saying, okay, here is the methodology. Is understanding the situation and then say, okay, for this um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, problem, I need a spanner, I need a, um, whatever it may be. You yeah. get the right things out for that situation. You've then got to, be, um, to work with the business um, to come up with the right solution and not do it to the business. Yeah. I think there are a, a number of consultancies out there that will come in and just do it to the business almost irrespective of the situation. Um, and then it's the, the piece you were talking about, being as open as possible with the business and particularly with the employees. You're open with the employees, even when you're in a cost-cutting situation, of the fact that you know, this is what the, the business needs to do to survive. Um, and therefore, there will be need for some cost-cutting. Yeah. Um, uh, and this is a sort of the, the, the range. This is how we're going to keep you informed. Um, if you've got ideas yourselves on how we could um, uh, cut costs, that obviously ideally doesn't involve um, individuals then let's 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 do it
0: yeah
1: when we were at um I was at in the ministry of defense in their shared service center um, uh, we were um, had a target to take a, a lot of cost out um, we were making um, the recruitment process much more efficient putting in some robotics to help with it and um, as a result, you know that there were some uh, people who were no longer needed in in the team.
0: Yeah.
1: So they were they would like to be um, uh, redeployed if possible, or would, would then be made redundant. But because the process was more efficient, because um, uh, customers could see that actually we were getting more business coming in from across the Ministry of Defence. Yeah. So actually, these people who thought they were out to lose their jobs actually then worked back in their old areas with the increased volume Volumes, yeah. all yeah. of them were working in a much more productive and satisfying way for themselves so the business did well out of it so they did well win- out of it it was a win-win
0: yeah great great now, I, I i remember i got involved in uh, my, my background's is banking and i uh, used to work for Royal bank uh, royal bank scotland and uh, i left but then went back in and helped on the integration with natwest and and um, yeah. and their mantra then was um, even though NatWest were three, four times bigger than Royal Bank, um, the the focus was well, we took you over, so yeah. you come you come onto our technology platform and you come you come and do the way the, 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 the things that we do, because until we get uh, until we get sort of consistency across the organisation, we can't grow, and, and and that was clear from day one. Yep. There was lots and lots of heartache from the NatWest guys, but actually, if you if you if you look back and um, and review uh, what the external advisors were saying about that's the success of that, that of that integration, uh, it's it's been one of the most successful integrations ever yeah. of two of two, of two banks, but two two organisations in, in in any sector. And, and I think it, by having an absolute clarity.
1: I think that clarity is, is really important. For me, um, there is a, there's a danger or there's a risk associated with being very clear of this is a takeover. We are going to use uh, all of um, the Royal Bank systems, et etc., yeah. etc. Because the NatWest people then get slightly fed up. They're demotivated. They're not engaged. It's, if you can do it as a merger, even if it has been an acquisition, if it can come across as a merger. So both sides are slightly dissatisfied and you are choosing the right IT, the right culture for the business moving forward, yeah. then I think that can be really powerful because it, it means that all parties are engaged and, and have a, a rationale and a stake in um, the new business. Absolutely.
0: So you know, we, we know that change is constant. Um, and you know, in, terms of, in terms of what's happening right now, change will, will absolutely be. Um, a, a certainty moving forward o- organizations really will need to review how they're going to operate in the future in in, in, in the new new normality whatever that looks like but, but from a transformation perspective from your experience what what do they need to start looking to sort of make sure that they're establishing the right conditions in the first place number one and and two may, sort of trying to maintain that momentum as they go through that transformation in in, in, in due course
1: So, um, I think it's particularly apt with um, uh, the COVID nineteen around at the moment, and coming out of um, COVID nineteen, I think there's going to be a um, a period of transition um, as we start coming out of some of the um, the lockdown, and then we will all start to understand how society has changed. Lots to talk about. It's going to be a fundamental change, but actually, a lot of people then are saying in uh, in contrast. We'll always go back to our own ways. We'll be traveling internationally as much as we have been in the past. And I suspect the truth is somewhere between those two. But for those companies that can um, understand that environment they're working in, how the regulatory situation, how the customer tastes um, uh, and expectations are changing most quickly and uh, can adapt to it and take advantage of it, I think those are the ones that will um, do the best out of it.
0: I was talking to an organization a couple of weeks ago, uh, operations director of a a relatively small organization, Um, but they completely changed their delivery model. Um, And they they did it um, a couple of weeks before the lockdown came in because they saw what was happening. And and, and they knew that if they didn't change, um, their business would have literally gone over the cliff. Yeah. Uh, because we wouldn't have had any revenue. So they, they changed it to be, be, be able to allow them to deliver services remotely. And um, within that first period of time, they were able to save a quarter of a million pounds per month. But more importantly, they grew the business yeah. f- at, at, at the revenue level because clients were quite happy for people to work remotely. So they brought new clients in that organisation is never going to go back no. um, uh, to, to the old way of working but there's a whole series of changes that they'll need to do to ensure that that can, that, that 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 can uh, that can continue yeah. I, I, I interrupted
1: no no i i am sorry and each each uh, sector and business will be different you know there are, there are some that are really not very affected by this I and mean, you look at some of the, of the um uh the, the, the bank, so um, yeah, yeah. Deutsche Bank, for example, on the uh, investment side of things, you know very little change. okay they're working from home, but their products, et cetera, really haven't been changed very much. Costa coffee where I was, fundamental change, their business has closed down yeah you know they've got no revenue coming in at all. you know it, it's um uh, about survival, it's about cash flow, getting everyone onto furlough et cetera and there will be everything in between between yeah. those sort of two extremes. For me, it's how do companies um, enable themselves to make dynamic or make quick decisions in this dynamic environment? It will continue to change. There will probably be more, maybe there will be more lockdowns coming back in the future yeah. and it will be different in different markets. They're going to need to, need to be very fleet of foot. They need to have the right um, uh, decision-making and governance in place to enable them to say, okay, from our previous strategy, How's it changed now? And on what basis? Um, uh, when will we um, uh, need to make decisions on on different things? What are our decision points where we need to go and look at our um, operating model? Where we need to think about our um, uh, costs and, and optimization And you yeah. mentioned that earlier on. Then we think about what products we take to market, and how we take them to market. And um, there are a whole load of things that that um, could well come through, including as the competition goes bust. How do they support um, uh those um, competitors um customers and yeah. you know perhaps um acquire the company or move into the product space that that competitor was was working in and it's <clears throat> um I don't think it's clear what the transformation need is going to be other than there's going to be a need for a lot of change yeah. to enable um, uh, companies to survive through any potential sort of uh, downturn, and to thrive in the the, the new uh, environment. Yeah, I think uh, very much in the in the
0: in the next uh, few weeks and months, it's it's about that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, it's about that uh, scenario planning, isn't it? It's it's about looking at well, if this happens, what now? If that happens, what okay. do we do? What do what, how do we adapt to this? And what are our options around X, Y, Z? Uh, and, and all of that sort of scenario planning needs to be needs to be undertaken.
1: I think. Yeah, I t- totally agree. And you need to be able to make decisions on limited information because you won't have the perfect set of data. Yeah. You need to be good enough to say, OK, this is we're going to make a bet. We're going to go this way. Uh, and off we go. There'll be some things you can probably make decisions on that are um, sort of no regrets. That They are the right thing to do in every scenario. Um, but others where you'll just need to uh, place your bets and say, okay, we, we are going to go this way. And I think you know there is some real planning that can be done. I, I mentioned about the the mergers and acquisitions as as um, yes. uh, uh, companies struggle through um, the um, the economic impacts. I think that's where um, uh, companies that they are going to go out on the um, the merger or the acquisition um, trail need to start doing their planning well up front. Um, despite um, all the lockdown yeah. and the difficulties around doing your due diligence and looking in the whites of the eyes of, of the, the companies that you may may be your targets, but I still, I think you can get on with a lot of that, um, despite the environment, and to do your your planning um, as we've been talking about. And then, I think from a, a shared services point of view, there've been some uh, well-publicised examples where companies that, that had um, uh, offshored a lot of their shared services um, to uh, India um, had really uh, struggled because they, um, uh, the access to broadband at home there yes. um, isn't as good. <clears throat> Plus all the supply chain issues that have been coming up and having a single supply chain, does that mean that actually the right thing to do is to uh, reshore uh, or to think about your um, uh, business continuity plan um, and have you know a, a split shared service center between India or wherever it is abroad and something that, that's close to home, so you're able to deal with something like this uh, uh, in the future.
0: Absolutely, totally agree. And and you've you've worked across public sector and private sector um, a lot throughout your career. Is there any? Um, from your experience, any any significant difference in the approach that people take, or you know, the 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 the, the response to to transformation, uh, and and number one and second part of the question is, um, if there are any differences, has one uh, been able to um, help inform your approach to the other, and vice versa? Um, so I
1: think the 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 biggest difference I've come across is whether uh, people are used to um, ongoing change. So civil servants when I, I went into the, the Ministry of Defense, um, uh, they hadn't had much change, and um, they saw the uh, it was a, a management overlay um, uh, joint venture between Circo and Accenture. Um, they saw Essential coming in and were slightly concerned about what was going to happen, they said, oh, you're going to do all this change and oh we 're not good with change around here Actually, at the end of four years, they said this has been great we 've learned so much we 're in a much better situation than the example I gave earlier in terms of uh, recruitment was was uh, in that situation they They were all doing more satisfying um, uh, or a lot of them were doing more satisfying jobs, and they could see the value. Um, for the business from change, and they could see that the value and the learnings that they got themselves through going through the change, and were actually embracing and wanted more change because they they could see that it was interesting. They could learn from it in terms yeah. of their own skills and experience, etc. I think that's less obvious um, in the private sector, um, but there are still situations where you know companies have been in a, uh, one setup up or a, um, an individual's been running a, a, a team for a while and a lot of the, the setup and the decisions being made are their decisions and they get used to the status quo. Yeah. So I think that understanding uh, people's concern about change and the need to uh, be very specific about what's in it for them what's in it for each of the different constituent parts, whether it's the, the board or the customers um, or suppliers uh, or the employees. And if you can then um, think about it through that lens, you can then start to put together a, a different sets of um, uh, uh, actions that work for each of those constituent parts. So you can then say, okay, this is why this change makes sense for you. Um, and I think you can then get people much more bought into uh, uh, change um, than if you hadn't done that. There was um, some work being done. I think that if people are uh, fearful of or frustrated by change, then the benefits of the program likely go down by 20% or more. If they're passionate about the change and are driving um, that change forward, then the benefits will increase by 50% or more. So it's how do you get them bought in? How do you get them on side helping to deliver the change um, rather than being resistant and and fearful of it?
0: Absolutely. And and I think in my experience, a lot of that uncertainty comes through lack of clarity. Um, So that fearfulness comes because they've not been... Organisations haven't been open with them And, 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 and explaining that actually, yes, the impact could be this or it could be that, but this is what we're doing to start to mitigate some of that risk. Yeah. Um, because I think it's, it's the uncertainty that cause the fear, uh, or cause the, or, or causes the fear or causes the upset. As soon as you can, they might not like the story, they might not like what you're telling them, yeah. but by being open and transparent and being, being clear about what the potential impact is for them, they can accept it a lot quicker, and then they can start to, to, to support the, uh, the, 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 the transformation.
1: And I think that comes back to, um, I mentioned earlier, um, uh, Cotter's eight steps of uh, of change. Having the third one, having a compelling vision, is really valuable. Um, If you haven't got that, it's so much more difficult to to sell to explain why you're making this change out um, uh, to the business. Um, I think you referred to a McKinsey study earlier on that 70% of um, uh, change programs um, fail. I think within that um, study, the the main reason, 36%, was uh, having a lack of um, clear goals and milestones. Um, And the next one after that was um, 20%, having a lack of senior management commitment. So a lot of it is that top-down part of change, having the buy-in and having the the clarity um, to start with, which which should be within... Um, uh, the people who are initiating a programs um, uh, control.
0: Absolutely, it, and it's getting, the, as you said, getting the hearts and minds of, 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 of the of the wider team. And you don't get that by having that vision in that clarity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and then once you've got that, that what add those up and sort of fifty sixty percent of uh, you know the the, 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 the drive for for the transformation is within those two things. Yep. The governance stuff and the, the communications and the KPIs, absolutely critical. But if you don't get those two, two things right, they're very Yeah.
1: And I think that's what you say. You're right. It's, the, it's the, the head and the heart, um, but then you need to come out of the hands, which is the implementation piece. So how do you give them the tools to enable them to then deliver on what they brought into through the head and the heart? Yeah.
0: Great. So, um, Ask this question all the time, if there's one thing, uh, one sort of takeaway that you can can, uh, uh, provide today for the people that are listening, what what would that be?
1: I think the one takeaway for me is uh, the one we uh, talked about uh, a few minutes ago, um, uh, what's in it for me? Thinking through um, all the people who are being affected by the transformation you're working on and what is the impact on them? Why would it be that they would want to support the programme to be successful? If you, if you can think about it, be empathetic, think about it in their terms, and to uh, amend the program where needed, and it, often it, it can be fairly minor tweaks, yeah. um, so that it benefits all of them, then you will get all of those different constituent parts being forward-leaning, and you're much more likely to be successful. So it's the right thing for the individual, as well as for the program. It's a win-win again.
0: Well, I think that's a perfect place to, to, to end. So uh, thank you very much for your time, It was a great. pleasure. Thank you, Tony. The feedback from these uh, podcasts have been really helpful to me in identifying potential areas of interest that we can cover on future editions. Please do share your thoughts. Bye for now.